This sermon is a presentation of Grace Bible Church in Las Cruces, New Mexico. At Grace Bible Church, we exist to help all people know Christ as Savior and Lord, to grow together as believers in Christ and our love for Him and for others, and to reach all people with His gospel. So for us, though, as I mentioned, Thanksgiving then is here. And so Thanksgiving is when we get together and we eat lots of food um, and we probably get close to gluttony, some of us, um, and eating too much. And maybe before all that, we, we sit around the table and we give thanks to or give thanks for the things that we're grateful for. We say, hey, you know, I'm really grateful for this. I'm really grateful for that. But the issue for many people, and I would imagine maybe hopefully not the issue for most of us here, but for many people is the fact that when we give thanks, we're doing it in a certain way. A lot of people in the world who don't give a second thought to God still go to Thanksgiving, still plan to give thanks. And really, whenever they say, well, I'm thankful for this, or I'm thankful for that, really what you're saying is, I'm glad for this thing. I'm glad that I have a house. I'm, I'm generally glad um, that I have a family. I'm glad that I have good health. And then they may call it being thankful. It's not thankfulness because thank, to be thankful implies that there is someone who is receiving that gratitude. There is someone who is receiving that thanks that you are giving. And I'm afraid for some of us, and myself included, it's easy on Thanksgiving Day as we're maybe talking about these things. To maybe just say, we recognize God in it all, but really, we're just kind of generally glad that this has happened. We're glad that God has looked favorably upon us. But that's different than us looking to Him and saying, God, thank you for being so good to me because I recognize that you are the one who has provided all of this. So thanks, by definition, is the gratitude we feel towards the one who has done good to us. And that's what Thanksgiving really is about um, as a holiday, as far as it's been established. You know, we, uh, we've had these nationwide givings of thanks for a, a long time. Um, people have gone together and given thanks to God as a group, as a nation. From what I could find, it seems that Abraham Lincoln uh, sanctioned Maybe what we have come to understand now is the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, and he sanctioned during the Civil War a time when he said that people should, and I quote, uh, give thanksgiving and praise to our um, benevolent Father who dwells in the heavens. So for us, our aim then as Christians is to give thanks. And not just to give thanks with God in mind, but actively to be thanking God for what all he has given to us. Because he is one who has made us. And if we are in Christ, he is the one who has saved us. So let's read Psalm 100 again. And we're going to consider what the psalmist has to say about thankfulness. So Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Lord, we ask that you would help us to make this psalm here this morning the prayer of our hearts. That we would take cues from it to understand your call to be joyful, to be thankful, to be glad and praising you for all that you've done for us. Help us understand this text with our heads and with our hearts, Lord. Help me to speak it well and right for your sake and for your glory. Amen. So this psalm is one that is separated into four, we would call them stanzas, okay? Maybe we call them four verses is is how we'd say them today um, in a song. And the pattern that we're looking at here, it's kind of hard to to look at something like the Psalms and not really consider the structure and how it's being presented, okay? So I won't try to bore you too long with the patterns uh, and the structure here, but here's what we see. We see uh, in the first stanza, and I don't... Not all of them are separated like this, but the ESV is, and I, and I think it's the best way to separate it. There's verses 1 and 2, which we would call the A pattern, right? Uh, it's this idea of coming to the Lord and giving thanks to Him. Make a joyful noise, serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. And then, verse 3 is another stanza that kind of switches here. Know that He is good. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. There's a turn from here's what you do, O people of God, give praises to God, to understand who he is, understand all the good things that he's done. These are the reasons why you're praising him. So we have an A and then a B. Well, verse 4 is A again. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Once again, these commands, right? Do this for God. Give thanks to him. Uh, praise him, bless his name. So we have A, B, A, and then back over to verse 5, we're going to see the B pattern again, right? So we've gone thankfulness because of who God is, thankfulness, and now verse 5, because of who God is. And the psalmist says it here, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We should be giving thanks, church, to the Lord. And we're going to see this here in the A pattern, right? So verses 1 and 2 and verse 4. Okay, that's our first stanza and our third stanza. So we're kind of going out of order, but we're doing that because we're not singing this as a song. We're kind of considering the truths of it. So I think I feel like it'd make more sense um, to take it one concept at a time. So we're giving thanks to the Lord, first of all, in our praise. The psalmist here says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Now this is interesting because he's talking about the people of God. He's talking about how God has made us his people and we are his. But then the command though is for all of the earth to be making a joyful noise to the Lord. It's an interesting thing. It seems that what is happening here for God to be the people or for, for the Lord to be the God of all people is has been God's intention all along. It seems as though him going to the nations and the gospel going to the nations, which for I would say all of us in here, as far as I know, from our from our backgrounds, that's us. We're glad that the gospel has always been intended for the nations and not just Israel alone. 
So make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, and then come into his presence. So we're giving thanks to the Lord in our praise, making a joyful noise, and then coming into his presence. This is God's people coming together joyfully. And here's the thing, this should mark our coming into the Lord's presence, both personally and corporately. This doesn't mean that we're not going to have times where we come together as a church after a great tragedy, after a loss in the church family, and just come in and be all joyful and happy like nothing's happened. That's not what this is saying at all. But it's coming together and saying the general demeanor of our hearts before the Lord is saying, God, I deserve so much less than you've given. How can I be anything but joyful? And it even looks like in those tragedies, saying, God, we recognize that you still are good in these things. So for us, this idea is of coming into his gates, coming into his courts in verse 4, coming into his presence in verse 2. Being before God, before the face of God in our prayer, coming before God and coming into his temple, which we now know as we've seen uh, in the Psalms of Ascent. We saw one sermon that dealt with that. Um, in First Peter, we've seen another text that's dealt with this, how we are his people. We are being built up as living stones. We are now the temple. We are the dwelling place of God because his spirit dwells within us. And so as we enter in together, as we come together to be making the temple built up as we as we uh, corporately worship, we should be coming in together in our praise. So we're giving thanks to the Lord in our praise. We're giving thanks to the Lord in our service. And this is the beginning of verse 2, serving the Lord with gladness. This is where it kind of gets hard because we can serve God and we can say, feel like God has told us to do this, to do A, B, C, um, and that's what it looks like to be following him. And for some of us, that service can be really difficult. That service can hurt our pride. That service can take us away from the things that we think that we should be doing, that we would find enjoyable. But he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, that's something we see all throughout. We actually saw, have just seen this in First Peter, about how we are servants or slaves of God. That's why that language is used by, by people like Peter. Our goal is to be serving God, not begrudgingly, but joyfully. To be bondservants who understand that we do not serve a wicked master, but we serve a good master who has our intentions, our best intentions at heart. So we can give thanks to the Lord. We have all these commands. And so it's just like, do this, do this, do this. Give thanks to the Lord. But why do we do this? What makes it possible? What makes it possible is the fact that we have been made his people. This is the second and fourth stanza, that kind of B section, um, if you will. Because the Lord has made us his people. First kind of sub point here is this. We can thank God because he's made us our people. And that looks like the fact that he is our God and we are his people. That's how the psalmist starts off here. Simply says that he is our God. It is he who made us. And we are his. How much thanks should we give to the one who made us? Because of the fact that we actually exist. The maker doesn't have to make the things that he makes. It's his prerogative. But he has made us. He has decided that we should be made, that we should exist, and we should glorify him in our lives. 
So we should give thanks to him because he, first of all, has just made us. He's made all humanity. Not only that, we are his people. The sheep of his pasture, the psalmist says here in verse 2. Now, where does this come from about being his people? This is really maybe language that doesn't, we don't maybe feel the, the full force of the fact that we are his people. He is God, the beginning of verse 3. And we are his people. But we see this in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. This is just the first time we see it come up, but it happens all throughout what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, as God is establishing the covenant with his covenant people. He says statements like this. So here, Exodus 6, 6 through 7. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now we see this happen throughout. As God is establishing the covenant, he's saying this is what it looks like to be part of this covenant, of this promise I'm making with you. And this is the covenant right here. I will be your God, you will be my people. What a great blessing it is that all of the earth now can take part in that covenant. So God's purpose then isn't just that his covenant, he's not giving the law and he's not revealing himself so they would feel good about him or have good feelings towards him or say, you know what, I'm not going to be an atheist anymore or anything like that. He wants more than just recognition of his existence. He wants them to be his people and he aims to be their God. So, we give thanks to the Lord because the Lord has made us his people, and it looks like him being our God and we being his people. But this also looks like him being faithful to the covenant. We see this worked out in verse 5. God makes this promise. He makes this covenant. And although it was for Israel originally, it is now for all people who are in Christ. For all people who Christ has reconciled to himself through the cross. All people now have the ability to come to him because for them, he bears their burdens on the cross. He bears their, the burden of their sin, I should say, on the cross. And now there's no more judgment for them. This is how we can say that this is for all people because he is making a way for all people. And this has been the plan from the beginning. And he is faithful. Verse 5 says, The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is part of that covenant too. God promises as he's establishing the covenant in Exodus. He says this covenant is for a thousand generations. Which doesn't mean that once we hit a thousand generations, the covenant ceases to exist. But as a figurative way of using, maybe we call hyperbole is one way to say it. Um, of using these figurative numbers to say forever. Because can you imagine thinking out for a thousand generations? However you put it, some people have different numbers for generations, right? A thousand generations. You try to imagine your grand, your kids, and then your grandkids, and then your great-grandkids, um, and then your great-great-grandkids. And that's like five generations, right? And we're, we're talking like a hundred years down the road. And then that times 200 is 1,000. So whenever they, he says, as he's establishing the covenant in the Pentateuch, 
to a thousand generations will I be faithful to you. He's saying forever. My faithfulness to you goes on forever. My faithfulness to my people continues forever. And this should give us great joy that our God is not one who gets tired and fed up with us after we mess up so much. But he remains faithful to us. What great thanks that should bring. And this should bring a thanks that is not general. This is just the last thought of this. I told you this is going to be short. We should give thanks to God. We should be generally just thankful to God for who He is and for making us and all of this. But if we are Christians, we should be giving thanks to God with the very specific things. He's not abandoned us. He's not left us in our sin. But instead, He has adopted us. And He's brought us in and He says, Be a part of my family. Have your sins washed away. Have eternal life. Have this relationship with me where I am fully faithful, where my steadfast love endures forever. For you. Let us give thanks to God, not in a general way that that is good and, and needed, but in very specific ways. So the question for you, church, is this: Do you have thanks? Are you have do you have thankfulness towards God? Where is that thankfulness directed? And for you, Christian, if you're not at that place, my encouragement to you is to take some time, even as you're hearing testimonies of people saying, this is how good and faithful the Lord has been to me. Consider that. Look back on your salvation and remember where you came from. Remember the state, the fallen state that you were in. Remember the sinfulness that you were in and how God saved you when you could not save yourself. And may it lead to you giving thanks, not just here, And not just on Thursday, but every day as we go before the Lord. Every week as we come together as His people, gathered together in His presence in a special way. May we give thanks to Him because He has made us His people. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, my encouragement to you is to trust in Him. To put your sin, to believe that your sin has been put on Him. And put your faith in that act on the cross which takes away your sin and saves you from yourself, saves you from God's wrath. Become part of God's people. That will lead to a thankfulness that you cannot possibly comprehend and that we want to understand the depths of throughout all of eternity. Let's give thanks to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Lord, we are grateful. You've made us your people. That we can come before you and give thanks, and not just give thanks in a general way, um, though we see in places like Romans 1 that we should be giving thanks to you. Because that's part of man's condemnation, is that they see your works in creation, but don't give thanks to you and don't recognize you as God. So we know that we should be giving thanks generally. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to give thanks in a very specific way. Say, God, thank you for making us a part of your people. Thank you for not abandoning us. Thank you for redeeming us. Help us understand that thanksgiving more and more. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. If you would like more information about Grace Bible Church, you can find us online at www.gracelostcrucis.org.